How many of you have ever heard the expression, honest confession is good for the soul? And where do you find that in the Bible? Well, you don't. You find the principle in the Bible. But actually that was a song that was recorded by Uncle Dave Macon back in 1937. Honest confession is good for the soul. But let's be honest with ourselves and let's be honest with each other and let's be honest with the God of heaven that sometimes it's good to honestly confess things. And one of the things we come to realize in life is that we run across those sometimes folks that just don't play well with others is the way I like to describe it. Sometimes they can even be those of your own family that don't play well with others. You know, one of the things we do at our house a lot is we watch the Food Network. It's kind of a form of torture for me to watch them make all these beautiful gooey desserts that Norma says, you can't have that. But so many times they'll serve some dessert and they'll have some little pitcher of sauce or something on the side that you pour over the dessert. Well, a few years ago we took Bryant out for his birthday. We always take Bryant and Matt out for their birthday. And we took Bryant out to this really nice restaurant in Houston. And we ordered, and I ordered a chocolate cake for dessert. And they brought it, and they brought this big, huge bowl and this piece of very decadent-looking chocolate cake and this pitcher of white liquid beside it. I've watched the Food Network, okay? I'm a sophisticated kind of guy. And I said, so what kind of sauce is that? And the waiter looked at me and he says, milk? Thank you. Well, Friday night we were going out to take Bryant out for his birthday. And we're driving down the road and Norma says, now, if you order dessert and there's any little glass or pitcher of anything... Don't ask what it is. Just wait and let the waiter or waitress leave and you can ask me or Brian or Abby what it is. We get to the restaurant and as we're getting out of the car, Brian says, Dad, if they bring you a dessert tonight and there's any kind of a liquid with it, don't ask what it is. Just wait and ask me or Mom or Abby after the server leaves. We're sitting there at the table and I order dessert. And Abby looks at me and she says, Now, if they bring you something liquid with that dessert, don't ask what it is, just let them leave it. And when they're gone, we'll tell you what it is. Folks that don't play well with others. Folks that treat us wrong. Sometimes it's members of our own family. And when we run across people that don't play well with us. Or we run across people that really do us wrong. What's our first reaction? Well, the main thing we want to do is get revenge. If somebody mistreats us, the main thing we want to do is get even with them if it's the last thing we do. We want to hurt people that have hurt us. It was Will Rogers who famously said he never met a man he didn't like. How many of you think that if Will Rogers was alive today and had met some of the people you know, he wouldn't be able to say that? Absolutely. 
I know that if Will Rogers was alive today and met some of the people I know, he wouldn't be able to say that. And I certainly know if he met some of our modern day politicians, he wouldn't be able to say that. Let's face it. There are some mean, nasty, rude people in our world today. I read the other day about a lady that got on a bus in one of our major cities. She gets on the bus and she's carrying her baby and the bus driver looked at her and said, Lady, that's the ugliest baby I ever saw in my life. Well, this young mother was just taken aback and she didn't know what to do. And she just paid her fare and she went and sat down. But she was shaking and she was visibly upset. And the lady sitting next to her on the bus showed concern. And she said, what is wrong? She said, that bus driver just insulted me terribly. And I don't know what to do. And the lady sitting next to her said, well, what you need to do is just get up and walk to the front of the bus and give him a piece of your mind. Here, let me hold your monkey while you go do that. Oh, some people just don't play well with others. I read about some officers during the Korean War. And they rented a house for themselves. And they hired a Korean houseboy to work for them. And he was a very cheerful, happy young man. And they took advantage of this, and they had a lot of fun playing tricks on him. They would nail his shoes to the floor. They'd put water over the door so when he opened the door, the bucket would fall on him. They played all kinds of tricks. And he just smiled and laughed and always took it in a beautiful, good humor. And finally, they reached the point they were ashamed of themselves for everything they'd done to this young man. And they called him in one day to talk to him. And they told him about all the mean things they had done to him. And they said, you've been so kind about it. You've taken it so graciously. We want to apologize to you. And we want you to know we're never going to do any of those things again. He said, you mean no more nail shoes to floor? They said, no more. He said, you mean no more water on door? They said, no more. He said, okay then. No more spit in soup. That's the kind of attitude Paul is forbidding me and you to take this morning. Our text comes from Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what Paul has to say. When folks wrong us, when folks mistreat us, the attitude that you and I should have is the attitude of Jesus Christ. I want you by an eye of faith to see Jesus Christ hanging there on the cross. 
I want you to see the just dying for the unjust. I want you to see the innocent dying for the guilty. And the very first words that Jesus spoke from the cross were a prayer. A prayer for those who had put Him there. And He said in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Beloved, that is one of the most amazing expressions you'll ever find on the pages of history. Jesus has been hounded. He's been betrayed. He's been denied. He's been tried before an unjust court. He's been led out of the city. He's been nailed to a rough-hewn wooden cross. And His very first words from that cross were not a complaint. It was not a plea for His own innocence, even though innocent He was. It was not a cry for vengeance against those who had put Him there. But rather it was a prayer for their forgiveness. And Jesus praying for their forgiveness implies His own forgiveness of them. Because you see, only a man with a forgiving soul can pray the prayer that Jesus prayed that day on the cross. We desperately need the grace of forgiveness. There are folks that I know and folks that you know and folks we've all met who carry in their hearts enough malice to damn their souls to the fires of an eternal hell. Folks that are unstained by sensuality and folks that are free from immorality. Folks that attend church services on a regular basis. Folks that hold the esteem of their fellow man. But they have a heart that is unforgiving. God our Father is not cruel. And He's not harsh or stern, exacting or unrelenting in His dealings with us. In this book... Our God is presented as a God of mercy. And our God is much more willing to forgive and forget than we are. And blessed is that man or that woman in whose heart is found the quality of mercy. That man or woman who holds no malice. That individual who has learned to forgive others of their trespasses. Because you see, when we learn to forgive others of their trespasses, we're godlike. When we learn to forgive, we are God's child. And we shall receive the mercy of God. We should forgive. The Judases we've known in our lives. Those who prized us less highly than they prized money. Judas Iscariot spent three years in the company of Jesus. No doubt he knew something of the beautiful life of Jesus Christ. 
He knew of His tender compassion. He knew of His marvelous power. And yet Judas thought less of Jesus than he did 30 pieces of silver. And yet the loving and forgiving Jesus was willing and ready to forgive a penitent Judas. There have been those, there will be those who would pretend to be our friends and yet they're ready to sell us for some minor consideration. When we run across those in our lives, we must not deal severely with them. It's tempting. But that's not godlike. We must rather lend to them a helping hand. And if possible, we must save them from themselves. Sometimes we'll have friends that desert us in a critical hour and in a time of need. And we have to forgive those unfaithful friends. You remember that night after Jesus had eaten the Passover with the apostles and went into the Garden of Gethsemane? When the mob entered Gethsemane that night and laid hands on Jesus, the disciples forsook Him and they fled. After the resurrection... After Jesus had been crucified and come forth victorious from the grave, He dealt kindly with those disciples. He actually referred to them as my brethren. There will be times in our lives that we might come to an hour of misfortune. A time when we might fall into heartless hands. And at times like that, some of our friends might desert us. We must not and we cannot hold malice against them. But rather we must seek their fellowship. We must include them in the circle of our brethren. We have to forgive the Simons that are too weak to own us. Remember Simon? He told Jesus, Brash Simon. Jesus looked over at him that night. He said, Simon, the devil's going to tempt you. He's going to sift you as wheat, but I'll be praying for you. And Simon had said, Lord, others may deny you, but I won't. I'm ready to go to prison and to death with you, Lord. A few hours later, that disciple who had so confidently said, I'm ready to go to prison and death with you, Lord, that same disciple cursed and he swore and he said, I don't know this man. Now there's not a doubt in my mind about Peter. I know Peter loved the Lord. I know that Peter loved Jesus Christ. But Peter was moved from that love and he was moved from that loyalty by a concern for his personal safety. And the disciple denied the master. But the master never denied the disciple. After Jesus came forth victorious from the grave, he found Simon and restored him. Oftentimes our friends are loyal enough when the skies are sunny. But there are always going to be some that will deny us in an hour of trial. We must forgive them. 
We must restore them to our fellowship. We have to resist the temptation to spit in their soup. Because that's not God-like. Forgive the pilots. Those too cowardly to defend our innocence. When Jesus stood before Governor Pilate that day, Pilate knew he was innocent. Pilate washed his hands of the blood of this just man. That's what he told them. He knew that Jesus had done no wrong, but Pilate was too much of a coward and too afraid to defend Jesus. But Jesus did not deal harshly with the governor. He did him no injury. Perhaps at some point there's been a pilot in your life. Someone who knew good and well that you're a person who's wholesome in character. But a day came that you were arrayed before unjust critics and that person was too weak and too cowardly to stand beside you. So to save themselves, they're ready to sacrifice you and throw you to the wolves. Pilots sometimes come into our lives. Don't be bitter toward them. They should rather be an object of our pity and our concern. Forgive the Herods. Those too sensual, those too shallow to appreciate your spirituality. Pilate sent Jesus to Herod. But that old sensualist didn't have the depth of soul to appreciate the Son of God. There are present day Herods in our world, folks. Those who do not have the moral nor the spiritual capacity to appreciate strong manhood or pure womanhood. Sometimes it might be necessary to withdraw from the Herods in our lives. But if we withdraw from the Herods in our lives, it's not necessary to injure them. The law of love, not the law of the jungle, should ever prevail in our lives. Forgive those executioners. Those who've nailed you to a cross of shame. It was uplifted on the cross. Hanging there with the nails through his hands and the spike through his feet. That Jesus looked down on those Roman soldiers that had crucified him. And hanging on that cross and looking down on those Roman soldiers. Jesus prayed and he said, Father, forgive them. Maybe there have been those that have wounded our body. Maybe they've smeared your good name or talked ugly about you but to others. They've made your heart break. They've made your heart bleed. They've made you cry bitter tears. And for those kind of people, we have to pray, Father, forgive them. What else did Jesus pray? Forgive them. For they know not what they do. Those Roman soldiers, those Jewish leaders, they didn't know what they were doing. Much of their evil was not actually even meant for evil. It was actually meant for good. You remember while on earth Jesus said the time would come when those who killed His disciples 
would think they were doing God a service. Young Saul of Tarsus was a man like that. So cold and cruel. Dr. Luke tells us he was breathing out threatenings and slaughters and he made havoc of the church and he sincerely thought he was doing the will of God. He sincerely thought he was doing God's will while dealing unjustly, while dealing unfairly with us. There are going to sometimes be deluded souls that think they're being loyal to the Lord. And our prayer should be, Father, forgive them. Why? Why do we forgive? Because we have been forgiven. As a Christian, we've received the Father's hand of forgiveness for all of our sins. I don't know about you, but I'm mighty grateful for that. And such an experience of mercy as that should create within us a heart of mercy. We're saved not just by the mercy we receive from God. We're saved also by the amount of by the mercy that we give to others. That's a lesson Jesus brings forth forcibly in the lesson and the story and the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew chapter 18. Beloved, if we do not find forgiveness in our hearts, and if we do not have the grace of forgiveness in our hearts, malice will multiply in our soul and ultimately stifle every noble influence in our lives. And hatred will ultimately rob us of the joy of the Christian life. The leaven of enmity will so embitter us and take from our soul the sweetness implanted there by Jesus. Write this down, it's on the final exam. The heaviest of all hearts is the unforgiving heart. We cannot live together. We cannot work together. We can't play together. We can't enjoy the Christian life together. Until we learn to forgive. Our prayer must ever be the prayer of Jesus. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Here's the question though. Are you individually living for Jesus this morning? Are those you come in contact with on a daily basis, are they really able to see Jesus Christ living in your life? Do they see in you a spirit of love and forgiveness or do they see a spirit of revenge and retaliation and hatred? Nobody ever said it'd be easy. It takes effort. It takes commitment. It takes perseverance. If you've never started your walk with Jesus, I beg you to do that today before you leave this building. 
But if you have started that walk, but if malice is being carried in your heart, would you come and ask God to help you deal with it? Would you ask God for the strength to help you see it through? The invitation that's extended this morning is not mine. It's the invitation of the Lord. The Son of God. The one who loved you. The one who died for you. The one who gave you the example of forgiveness. I don't know what's going on in your world or I don't know what the needs of your life are. But if we can help you make those, meet those needs and if we can help you make Jesus the Lord of your life, Jesus invites you to come as together we stand and while we sing. Oh,